Warning, the cases that I talk about here are under the assumption that the individuals that are accused allegedly committed these crimes unless they have been convicted in court for the, tri for the crimes that they have been charged with. This is by no means me making any kind of accusations whatsoever. I am simply commenting on news articles and stories that have been shared with me through individuals who may or may not have experienced these said stories. This is not fact. This is purely my opinion. Unless they have been through court and they have been convicted. Please understand that moving forward. Thank you. Trigger warning. The podcast you're about to listen to may contain sexual and violent acts committed against men, women, and children. If such acts offend you in any way, please do not listen any further. This podcast was made for an audience of 18 years and older and contains mature and explicit content. Also, this podcast may also contain a high level of profanity and explicit language. If such things offend you in any way, shape, or form, please do not listen to the podcast any further. This is your last trigger warning. If anything that I mentioned above offends you, please do not listen. Thank you. Hey everybody, this is Jeremy with the Manor Park Podcast. This podcast covers rape and pedophilia cases, as well as highlight organizations that make it their mission in this world to fight for children. I appreciate you clicking on to my podcast and listening to these episodes. I also have survivor interviews that I share as well, which can be very graphic and heavy. But it's much needed to be heard in this day and age. Because, like a lot of people, I myself was not aware of how troubling and how deep this issue really was. Until I started hearing survivors and listening to the heinous and horrific things they went through. So thank you for clicking on this podcast and listening to these stories. While I know they're deep and disturbing, we need to know what goes on with the victims and survivors and what they went through so that we can try to identify the problem and then we can figure out how to solve the problem. My podcast is not for the light of heart. It's not for the faint-hearted at all. It's not for anybody with a weak stomach. These stories will change you mentally. They will make you question your faith. They will make you wonder why is it that the systems that are in place do not protect children and do not give justice to survivors. And that's what I want it to do. I want it to make you think. I want it to make you go and be curious enough to do the research as well and to go out there and seek the answers and find the truth to all of this. Because somebody has to. I myself is just a man who was tired of seeing these babies being harmed. And from there, it grew. And I found out so many different traumas that I never knew existed. So thank you for joining me on this journey. Thank you for clicking on this episode. Thank you for supporting me. It does mean a lot, and it's much appreciated. And I'm glad to know that since I've started this journey, there are so many individuals out there that care about protecting children and helping survivors like I do. With that, here's the latest episode. Hey, everybody. This is Jeremy with the Man Apart Podcast. This is going to be episode 73.
titled Through the Ringer, Part 2. So in this episode, we're going to conclude the interview that I had with Azrael. And in this second part, Azrael talks about many different things, y'all. It's going to be a little bit about their drag performing days and what certain situations popped up with having a rebel flag tattoo as well as being a drag performer a little bit of southern history and just different topics we talked about as well that intertwines in Azrael's life and so continue on listen to this stay tuned for the announcements afterwards as well if you don't mind and if you don't mind as well if this episode or any other episode that you've liked or wanted to share out there and found interesting, uh, please share it to your social medias. It does help. It is important. It gets the podcast out there. Um, when I said I'm a, I'm my podcast is for all survivors. That's what I meant. It's for all survivors, all different walks of life, many different heinous traumas, and that's what I wanted this to be. So I have a very wide array of just different perspectives and backgrounds and ways of life on here already and it's just continuing to grow as we continue on so i know there's an episode for somebody to listen to that can understand what it's like for a survivor and that's all i wanted to do was to have it for people to understand what what life's like and what they go through that's the only little bit of announcement i have for right now the rest are going to be at the end please listen all the way through uh, this one is going to be a little bit longer than most of my other episodes, just because of the fact is I, it was not something that I wanted to make three episodes into for one thing, because it wouldn't have been, it would have been two shorter episodes. I just said, look, we'll just make this a second part episode and go with it and uh, enjoy. Because as somebody that's, that's, you know, a part of the gay community, I'm already ostracized by much of the of the Christian mainstream, which is somehow some sort of weird way has made a resurgence here in the States. Yeah. So there's that. And then being a veteran, you know, you take the gay, the, the part of me being a part of the Rainbow Mafia away and being a veteran, your average civilian does not care if if I earned a medal or a ribbon or did time downrange, your average civilian does not care. So you combine both of those and trying to find acceptance because I don't see the world the way an average civilian does. And being mm-hmm. a part of the gay community, I don't see things the way the rest of the population does. That's straight. I see things, okay fellow Americans rights are being infringed upon for being different this isn't okay oh wait I'm an army vet so now I have to employ these skills plus being gay it it makes it hard honestly a lot of times I feel like a forgotten child because of that yeah you know which which a lot of people find it hard to understand how somebody that is gay would want to serve their country, especially in the, in the community. You know, they're like, well, they did this, that, and the other, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, some of us 
have a much higher respect of country because of who we grew up with. Yeah. You know, down here, that, you know, like down here in the South, it's a lot, it's a lot of uh, love of country down here, you know? Oh, yeah. My dad still has the American flag and the Marine Corps flag flying on his ranch. Oh. On my wall, I have a three by five of both the, the American and the rebel flag, which, you know, it is kind of been a, a a thorn in my side being proud of being southern these past few years yeah i remember uh i remember you yeah and and i remember you showing me your tattoo and everything like that too Mm -hmm. of uh the confederate flag how did that play out in the uh in the the gay community with you and everything because uh how you're involved and how you interact in that community so for the longest time i didn't have the military tribute tattoo because, you know, I wanted to get something, but I wasn't sure how I wanted it done. And the tattoo, like I said, was 30 or 26 years in the making because I got it when I was 34 and I've been wanting to do something like that since I was 18. But mm-hmm. I always held true to my southern roots and being a redneck, like straight up. So... And for me, redneck pride, not and, and southern pride, not not white, not anything else. Just being proud of being from the south is represented by a flag that a certain group for about a hundred years decided to use as a symbol of hate. And hold on to that. So, taking you to history class here. So, in the South, during the Civil War, you had five different Native American tribes fighting for the South, which we we got on topic on that in one of Cryptid's lives. Yeah. So, you had the Cherokee, who were fighting for both wanting to prove themselves as warriors and wanting to keep the institution of slavery. You had the Quapaw and the Chickasaw Indians, which Arkansas and Oklahoma was initially their homeland. So they were defending what little bit of home they had left that was taken from them under Andrew Jackson. Okay. Uh, the Creole, I, I believe, or the one, one of them. Yeah, the Cree? One, one of the other. Or Choctaw. So you had five different fighting for the South. You had fellow free African-Americans that owned slaves fighting for the South. Two of them were based in North Carolina. You also had a Hispanic man, and I, I still cannot remember his name, fighting out of Texas. And and it's on the, the Hispanic Heritage website. You can look it up. I forget his name. But he is the most highly decorated Civil War soldier out of both the North and the South. So you had, you had, you know, British Americans. You had, you know, second or about fourth or fifth 
at this time, you know, British Americans. You had African Americans who owned other who owned slaves yeah. fighting. You had Native Americans all all fighting for the South. So explain to me how that flag is racist. Not only that, at the start of the Civil War, actually even pre-Civil War, you know, late antebellum era, you had the 13th Amendment imposed by Lincoln. Now, what that did was it would have allowed the South to keep the institution of slavery, but any goods produced and exported or imported would have been highly taxed by a tariff, which he imposed by bypassing the House of Representatives, Congress, and the Senate. And then 1861 happens, the start of the Civil War. You have him saying, and I quote Lincoln on this, word for word, this war is not about slavery. It is about preservation of union. That is a direct quote from Lincoln at the start of the Civil War. Okay. He waited two years to sign the Emancipation Proclamation. Yes, slavery was a big cause of the Civil War, but what led to the secession of the states was a, a tax, a unlawful tax imposed by the president, which a hundred years earlier, give or take, we had a war known as the American Revolution that started for the very same reason, because of a king halfway across the world. Yeah, the team tax, I think, was, was the thing that set it all off, right? Uh-huh. It was a two-part prong attack for for the start of the Civil War. Okay. Which a lot of people don't realize. So, and then you had, two years later in 1863, you had the Emancip- Emancipation Proclamation of the 14th Amendment, which is a good thing. Don't get me wrong. I, I oppose anybody being owned by anybody. Still to this day, which is happening still over in Africa and the Congo and places nice. like that. It, yeah. He signs the Emancipation Proclamation. He waits right. two years after the Civil War. Start. Okay. Reasons why. You ready for this one? Okay. So you had Robert E. Lee and Stonewall Jackson kicking butt and taking names on the on the southern and western eastern front. So the southwest, the southeast, you know, all that area from like Tennessee, Arkansas, over down towards Florida, Stonewall and Robert E. Lee, outman, outgun, are kicking butt and taking names. Okay. You have the armies of the Potomac, which separate Richmond and the capital of D.C. That big river that's right there, the Potomac, separating the the two sides. The Union Army had more manpower to where they were outnumbering the South and Richmond, sometimes three to one. And the generals were lazy and fear-mongering, and weren't doing anything. And the North started losing interest in the war. They started losing interest. People weren't re-enlisting the whole nine yards. 1863 comes along, 
Well, what happens with 1863? It's been almost four years since he was elected. That's right. Election year. So what does Lincoln do to fire up the Union Army to get them reinterested in the war, but also guarantees himself a re-election? Emancipation Proclamation of 1863. Because if he really cared about ending slavery, he could have signed the Emancipation Proclamation before he tried doing the 13th Amendment and before he said what he said in 1861 after the first shots were fired. So he waits two years until people were losing interest in his election year. Emancipation Proclamation, he gets reelected in the Union gets fired up again. Now, you, you know, so you take all those things into consideration. The the different, you know, ethnic groups of people fighting for both sides. The, The actual quotes and things that have been brought to light in recent years. How is the rebel fight racist? All because one group for 100 years used it? No different than, you know, people saying, oh, a swastika is racist. If you use the one World War II Germany did, yes. If you look at a Tibetan and Sanskrit, even a Nordic swastika, which they actually learned to use in trade with them, it doesn't look anything similar outside of design to the World War II one. And in Sanskrit, it actually means good fortune and luck if it's not cocked you know at a 45 degree angle yeah um and so because of fast forward to the whole blm riots and just people being on that kick you know a drag queen who happened to be part of the african-american community saw my rebel flag tied it on my arm And instead of coming and talking to me about it, she complained to the manager, which then the manager says, hey, we have a no rebel flag policy. Okay, I didn't know. I can put my jacket back on and cover it up. Squash. Done. Like, no, some people have complained, so you need to leave. Which led to a whole firestorm. Because I was discriminated against for putting something on my body, which is my choice, which represents my family's military history. Yeah, because you have more than like, just, because you have more than just a rebel flag. You also had, I think you told me your your dad, your grandpa, I, I think your great-grandpa's ranks and everything on your arm as well. So I have the rebel flag, the American flag, I have the Marine Corps Semper Fi, the Army Hoa, I have the Soldier Cross, which is the boots, the rifle, and the helmet. Yeah. I have dog tags that land on my wrist that say POWN. And then I have my dad's rank, my dead brother's rank, and mine. So yeah. far. Yeah. So yeah, and, so it's and, not just yeah, so it's not just, you know, the uh, rebel flag. It's a whole tribute to mil- whole, to southern military heritage. Just military heritage in general. In general. Okay. Um, because the way I designed it Kind of, kind of on purpose but slightly on accident is the American flag you see on the front. The rebel flag you see on the back. 
present and future, past. Okay. And, and, so, and that's just because, you know, the Civil War was in the past. My ancestors fought at the Battle of Pea Ridge in Arkansas, one of the only Civil War battles fought during that time. And both on my mom and my adopted dad's side, I found that I had family going all the way back to the War of 1812. Oh, wow. So, like, I have a very long, strong military heritage within this country. Some of them were full. And we know how well the American population treated the Irish during the Great Potato Famine, don't we? Yes, we do. And so, yeah. like, you know, and, and that's the thing. It's like I'm Irish, German, Nordic, Spanish, Cuban, Italian. You know, like, where do I have the nerve to say I'm a pure white person? I don't. Not only that, you look at the, the actual, uh, if you watch the BBC thing on DNA and look at the actual history of, the the DNA within humans, we can yeah. all trace our lineage back to prehistoric man in Africa. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> sorry, I didn't mean to. I know, no, I know. We, 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 yeah, but, but, but before we get into too many tangents on everything and everything, so you're so you you're at a club, you're at a, at a or at a, at a show, at a drag show, and uh, a black drag performer sees your tattoo and everything has a problem with it doesn't go to you goes to management management says hey no rebel flag policy you try to cover it up they say no you get out and you said there was a big firestorm over that what all like what what all do you mean by so, there was a big firestorm basically if you scroll back through my tiktok uh, um, my tiktok channel mm -hmm. uh, under azrael a while back you'll see it but basically what i did is because I felt discriminated against because of my showing support for all military members. Mm -hmm. I took to social media and I went after the bar and I basically laid into them because I was heated. I was pissed and you're not going to discriminate against a vet for having something that represents his very history. And so that, because I also posted it to Facebook and stuff too, because I was heated and I was going to let everybody know, especially within the veteran community. Um, well, some upper, you know, upper echelon type people that have been a part of the, of the drag community for years and are heavy supporters of BLM and, you know, basically er eradicating actual history got wind of it. And uh, had a problem because the the bar didn't want anything to do with the court, with the dry court here anymore because of me going after them. Not only that, apparently the queen that started the whole issue because of me going after them, after the establishment itself, not even necessarily that drag queen, uh, apparently she almost lost her job, which... That's not my problem. So it was a whole whole thing with, you know, so many people within the queer community being heavy, heavy supporters 
of the whole BLM movement, which that's another issue. And, you know, them thinking that because you're, you know, pale or melon deficient person that you should apologize for what your ancestors did. And I'm sorry, I'm not apologizing for shit that I had nothing to fucking do with. And I tell people, the only people that have a right to play the race card here in America and don't is the indigenous population because still to this day, they're the only ones that are utterly getting screwed over by our government. And again, that's another topic for another day. Yeah. But that that's that's been my argument with it is when people aren't willing to do research and actually look into the many different things going on during that time. They want, oh, white people own black people and now you're you have to pay for what your ancestors did. The fuck I do. I think it goes a little bit deeper than that because I because I, I I sit and I talk with everybody, right? You know, I always try to learn from people and everything like that. I think the other issues that were a part of that was of course Jim Crow laws, the uh redlining of districts, gerrymandering and, and things of that sort of nature is what kind of kept right. you know a group of people down for so long. And and, and a it's lot just, of that came from the KKK, which the KKK, yeah. if you look at it, lasted maybe a hundred years. Because they have pretty much all but the the actual KKK group, which was started by a rich white Democrat, which was initially known as the White League because of race-baiting poor white Southerners, lasted maybe 100 years. And now anybody mentions KKK, they're like, who? But you mentioned Aryan Brotherhood, and they're like, oh. It's like, yeah, the KKK has pretty much been done with i mean hell they were i mean i had you know i've known family members and not not close family members but i have i've had people that i've known in families and everything like that that were part of the kkk or or had some kind of ties to the kkk growing up and i mean it's still active but not as not as active to the degree as it was back let's say at the at the height of its downfall which was around the 50s and 60s uh, yeah. That's when it really that's when it really declined out and everything like that. But it stayed strong in the South for a long time. I mean, hell, I can remember a, a news article back in 2008 uh, when Obama first became president. Uh, they arrested like oh, yeah. they, they arrested like eight uh, KKK members down here in Louisiana for plotting to kill the president and everything like that. Like they're still yeah. going on. It's just they, it's just not what it used to be. On. It's just because people have a lot of people have gotten wise or people that have started to actually open their eyes. Not all, but some are like, y'all are a bunch of idiots. Not only that, during the 60s, you also had the big surgeons of, during the, the 50s and 60s, you had a big surgeons of different people fighting for their rights. You had the women's suffrage movement. You had the civil rights movement which also tied into the gay rights movement. Mm -hmm. So within, you know, 20 years between the 50s and 70s, you had a huge uptick in people fighting for the rights, which scared the ever-living crap out of anybody that was racist. Yeah. Which led ultimately to their downfall. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that they still don't exist. 
I'm not saying that people can't be racist or bigoted. But something that people have to look at is not everybody who's proud of being from the South is a white supremacist. Yeah. And, and that's and, and that's a big issue is people want everything sugar-coated, especially when it comes to actual history. From the Irish slave trade. No, they, you, you don't ever hear anybody talk about that. And it happened. Hear more about, and, and it happened from the 800s when the late 700s, early 800s, when the Vi- when the Norse were on a Viking or a raid and landed on the coast of Dublin and went on until the Irish won their independence in 1916. Yeah. So you're talking, you know, 11 a little over 1,100 years of slave trade. Why aren't we talking about why aren't we talking about the fact that Native Americans up until 1930 weren't even considered Americans? Nobody knows about that. Yeah. yeah. And then there's so much there's so much that's going on too and, and that with with the with the Native American issues that are going on even today, um, like the biggest the thing I've seen so indigenous women, yeah, the um over there uh, in, in the landfills, yeah, the search the landfills thing. I I remember seeing a lot of that on TikTok and everything as well. I didn't even realize I, that was an issue until I got on mm-hmm. TikTok and, and found out about that. Or the uh or or, or the thousands upon thousands of little uh, children that were killed at the at the uh, reform schools and everything like that that they buried out in mass shallow graves and everything that they've been uncovering. I think it's like five or six thousand now of those bodies oh, yeah. they found so far, uh, mm-hmm. digging them up and everything like that. And then that's why it's been such a big push to search the landfills as well. Uh, and I, I do agree that it, it's fucked up that. Like, for instance, and I, I know we're not we really don't talk about politics on here or anything, but just we're on the subject right now um, that recently, you know, they had the, the the billionaires that were in the submarine that, that died and everything like that. They spent all that money to go find them <laughs> and 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 go into the go into the bottom of the ocean to go recover that sub and everything like that. But going to search the landfills is too fucking dangerous. That I don't oh, understand. Yeah. I don't. I don't get that. Like you, like you'll risk life and limb to go into the bottom of the ocean to, to receive, uh, to to recover a, a submarine full of dead people that are that are you know in a, in a very dangerous uh, one of the most dangerous places to be at on Earth, which is underwater at that depth at that level. But you can't go and Who you know put themselves and, and, there, mind you. Yeah, at, by their choice. But you can't go and recover the bodies or search for the bodies of murdered of murdered uh, indigenous women in landfills that's too dangerous that i i I don't understand that i don't get that i always felt that's a bunch of bullshit and just trying to trying to get people to give up and they're not giving up no and that's that's where you know i say you have to take you know especially with southern heritage and southern culture you have to take it you know case by case because yeah. there are some people in the South that still try and use the St. Andrew's cross on the flag as a symbol of hate. Don't get me wrong. I know that that asinine idea still exists. I don't even know the St. Andrew's but cross. I really don't know too much it, about it, all the different variations of the flags because 
Look, I grew up. The same I Andrew's remember seeing is the X that's on the rebel flag. That is not okay. The same all right, cross. all right. So I so this is what I remember of seeing that flag right when I was growing up. I remember seeing from from family members who were racist who who were part of the KKK and everything like that. I remember seeing in 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 their room, you know, a flag that said "Welcome to the South" and word now go home, or go back to Africa or something like that. I remember seeing that. So like. Yeah. Like, you but yeah, but like, so there's some people that you want people. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, some people will use it for hatred and everything like that. And then, then there's the other side of of people that I see that that say, you know, it's part of it's part of this it's part of history. It's part of their history Mm -hmm. and everything like that. You know, me, I've I've always been about one flag. You know, the like, you know, I especially after gay marriage, and we kind of talked about, you know, trans rights. Uh, have people that are trans trying to fight for their rights. You know, so many people act like they're the monsters, you know, that that the, you know, horror movies have told them about, and they're not. My wife is trans. And, you know, we, we've talked about this on, on on phone calls and stuff. You know? Yeah. My wife being trans, her needing to use the bathroom has nothing to do about your little crotch zombie. Me, me kids, yeah. You know, yeah, cross goblin. Yeah, go to the bathroom with with my wife because her only concern is, oh, I'm about to shit myself. I need to use the bathroom, or I'm about to piss myself. I need to use the bathroom. You know, when when I was dressing, and because at one point I thought I wanted to transition. Turns out I just like being cute and girly, and well, yeah. But at one point in my life, I thought I wanted to transition, so I would dress female all the time. And I had, I've had a couple people were like, oh, well, you're not a real woman and this, that, and the other. And I remember this line from the movie Rent, where this character said, I'm more of a man than you'll ever be, and I'm more of a woman than you'll ever get. And I said this to this person, and her jaw literally hit the floor. Because she couldn't think of anything to say after I said that. Because, and I told her, I said, my thought when I am headed to the bathroom is not worried about your little crotch zombie coming in. Because when I go into a stall, I lock the door. And if your little crotch zombie is peeking under the bathroom stall, that says more about you as a parent than it does me. So I want to be an advocate to the other side of this, right? Because I, I, I hear it from both sides, right? And this is what I've found out from both from listening to both sides of this issue. Um, one side of it is a human right human rights issue, and the other side is a safety concern issue. And what happens is is that when, when people start expressing their concerns, either you know, the opposite side will say, Oh, well that, that point is invalid. That doesn't matter, you know, because my point is valid. And I, then, then, then people look at well, then people look at me and go, so what's the solution, Jeremy? I really don't know the solution to that issue, to the bathroom debate. What I do, the, the only solution I do know is a very expensive one, which is to make just individual private bathrooms that are unisexual. Anybody can go in and out of, and and but but it's only even, one solo even, occupant. Even a cheaper solution, because like I said, and, and we've talked about this, I understand that there are creeps that would try to use identifying as the opposite sex as a way to 
prey upon women or children or whatever. I understand that. I I can see that. Having been a survivor, I get it. But a cheaper solution, you can still have public bathrooms. You can have a men's bathroom and you can have a women's bathroom. But incorporate a bathroom, same design, that's unisex or even single stall. That solves the whole whole problem. Because then people that, you know, don't identify within the the binary line of male or female, they have a bathroom. Yeah. And many stores actually do that. Or they make a like a family bathroom that you can lock the door. Yeah, where they have like know, the changing on. table and all that and there's bigger uh-huh. space and yeah. Which my my wife usually uses that one at like Walmart or whatever. She'll, you know, go into the door and you know it's it's a safe spot for her to go to the bathroom. But on average and this comes from somebody that it has been heavily involved in the community. Most of us, an overwhelming majority of us, when we're trying to use the bathroom, whether we identify as male, female, or somewhere in between, when we're trying to use the bathroom, we're not worried about anything else except what everybody else is worried about. I don't want to piss or shit myself. Now, there are people that will say, well, you know, how do we know if, you know, it's a legit identifying issue or this, that, and the other? Honestly, you don't. And outside of that person's therapists and doctors and psychiatrists, it's none of your business. Now, if you get somebody that's, you know, trying to sport a full beard and wearing a dress and trying to get into the women's bathroom, yeah, there's a fucking problem. Why? So why is that? So the, so, right, the, so the listeners can understand that better. See, because most people that are are trans, whether they're male to female or female to male, a lot of them just want to blend and be accepted as as that sex that they're transitioning to. Yeah. They're they're not trying to look like a man in a dress or, you know, a girl in a suit. They're actually their goal and their end objective is to appear and be either as feminine and girly as possible or on the opposite end be as masculine and boy appearing or male appearing as possible. Yeah. So when you have somebody that, you know, is looking like, you know, a, a very, because some, tra- some trans people have issues with getting their body to match. So there's some of that, but you can still tell. But when you have somebody that's not even necessarily trying to hide the fact that they're a man and trying to sneak in the bathroom, there's a fucking problem. Yeah. You know, because that, because 
you know, most trans people want to blend with society as the sex that they identify as. You know, they're not that that's their whole objective as somebody that's trans is trying to, you know, be woman or be man, you know, and as it's just sickening that people will try to use that to an advantage to prey upon kids, which then in turn backfires on the trans community and makes them look like the monsters when they're not. It's that particular individual. You know, well, and, and that's is- the issue is people are looking at this as some sort of weird perversion and it's not. It is a medically identified issue within the body's hardwiring or from birth. Yes. It is scientifically proven that it's called gender, that it's called gender trans, dysphoria, right? Well, that's how they put it, but yeah. I guess uh, uh, somebody that actually works in the medical field that we're friends with said that they've <laughs> actually taken being trans off the mental disorder thing because they have found scientifically and when, when your DNA and everything is being built within the womb, mm-hmm. they find that somewhere within the building of you know the young human things get crossed as far as the way the wiring of the brain and things work during development and everything. Uh huh. And they found that a lot of trans people somewhere within the development stages, that's where that happens. It is scientifically proven that it is a way a person is born. No different than somebody being gay or lesbian. Science that the people that are gay or lesbian or, you know, somewhere within the gay community, you know, rainbow are literally born hardwired with who they're attracted to. They have no control over it. It is a chemical response that was built in the body from birth. And so many people because of the lack of, you know, wanting to understand, so many people negate the fact because of faith that science can prove things that faith can sometimes not explain. Yeah. And vice versa. So So without... Well, I wanted to... It's just frustrating issues. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I know it is. And, and I wanted to kind of interject on 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 a, something that you were saying, too, that people get angry with the trans community and everything like that. It's not because of the fact that, you know, somebody that goes in there with a beard and everything like that is why the, and, you know claims they're trans is why they're angry. It's the fact of the, I guess, of how the trans community reacts to that situation where I've seen it to where they'll defend people that do that. And that's where a lot of people who are, you know, who are, you know, straight, whatever you want to call us, uh, they get, they get mad. They get angry because there's, it, it seems like there's no, there's no gatekeeping or accountability whatsoever. When you have people who go in, in, uh, in on the guise of the trans community 
to try to be a predator and everything like that. There, there doesn't seem to be a lot of, you know, hey, no, this is fucking wrong. This is sick. No, because they've actually had pe- they've actually had trans people on like uh, Dr. Phil and everything like that that were defended uh, for uh, having. I mean, there was one trans woman I remember having a full on beard and everything like that, full facial hair and everything, trying to say that this is OK, this is normal and this is fine. And people are like, no, this is not, you know, this is not okay. This is not normal. You know, we, they, there, there is a difference that people understand. Like there are people that who, who are trans, yeah. who, who, who go from being male to female, female to male. And they, and, and there, and there's a journey and it's a process and, and there's an end goal, right. To be, to transition the whole, the whole point of being trans is to transition uh, for the most part. And what happens is, is that there's other people that come out there that go, well, no, 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 it, it's okay to have a beard and everything. And I should be able to go to the bathroom with, you know, with, with your wife and child. And so there's people who are like, no. Um, and then you have the cases that come out as well, which granted there are, there are only dozens upon dozens I found of from, from the trans community of predators being, being in there going, you know, going and hurting children, whether it's being in the bathroom, whether it be at kid events or, other places, you know, prison or other places, that sort of nature. Whereas I found thousands upon thousands in the, in the Christian community where, you know, you have preachers right. and pastors and other kinds of people who are raping, molesting kids, owning child porn and things of that sort of nature. Mm-hmm. I, you know, there, there, you know, people do understand that to a degree. I just think that I, I, I think it's like, well, just wanted to put that out there that uh, for most people. Well, and, I, and I will say this, as far as holding people accountable, it's not necessarily the entire trans community or the entire gay community because there are quite a few of us that go, "Hey, you're being a dipshit. Get your head mass wired together." Yeah, Lord, but the gods know I'm one of them because there's things that I see where I'm just like, "Y'all are making zero sense." Shut up. And some of it's just the way I grew up, too, with that no filter, zero tolerance for BS. Yeah. You know, and and that that's the thing. Like, it, there are, like I said, within, within every community, there, there are monsters. Every yeah. community. Uh, where there are children the present, there are, where there are children present, there are predators, like my co-host always said. Oh yeah, and, and that that's just a human, a, a side effect of human nature. Unfortunately, is no matter what community you're in, or what ethnic group you are part of, crime happens. Period. It is a human construct. Crime exists regardless. But what bothers me is a lot of the hypocrisy within just society in general. Because you have the Christian community. Oh, we love we love and accept everybody. Oh, you're gay or you're trans. Get out. We hate you. Or you have the uh, on the other spectrum. You have the gay community. Oh, you were rejected by them. We'll love you. Oh, you don't support what we support. So get out. And that's kind of where I'm at is, you know, I don't support everything that, you know, a lot of people within the gay community support. And I definitely don't support a lot of the BS that the Christians support. 
Yeah. I have my own mind. I have my own brain. And I use critical thinking, which we were taught as kids, to make my own opinions. And it, it, I really noticed it during Trump's administration. I really noticed the hypocrisy from everybody, both sides. And it's just like, y'all are literally fighting over table scraps. You do realize that. And it goes, do I think, you know, all Americans should be granted the same rights as every other American, regardless of who they love or ethnic background? Yes. That is something I believe with my whole heart. But get rid of career politicians and we can have that. I think that's something that both sides agree with as far as term limits and everything like that. I've noticed um, both sides both admit that term limits are needed, right? Because uh, I call it, call, you know, I'm friends with everybody, so I listen to both sides. I listen to both types of arguments all the time, and uh, there, there's always some commonality between both sets of, the, of that two-party system that they all have these things in common. I'm like, then why are y'all fighting the fuck each other? Like, like. Come together, you know, <laughs> you know, because I mean, it's really y'all wanting the same thing, just different ways about going about it. And it's, oh, yeah. you know, and, 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 and of course, there's always some nitpicky things here and there as well that, that divide that they that they put out there to divide us up with everything. You have to be this or you have to be that. And, you know, if you're if you don't believe in this and you're not part of this club, if you don't believe in this, you're not part of that club. And me, I've always been yeah. like, fuck, fuck this two party system, burn this shit down and let, let you know, let, let's let, let's get to the real issues and stop all this fucking infighting amongst ourselves, because ultimately, you know, they're the grasshoppers. We're the ants, you know. That's how I look yeah. at it with, with, with politics, but I wanted to get well, that, more. Go ahead. And, and that brings me to this thing of, you know, because in my job, I am one of the few people that's very out and proud mm-hmm. about who I am. And it's awesome. I've had nothing but acceptance from my job. Like, uh, it, and I'll send you a picture of how I was dressed for Pride because I got a few pictures. It was fun. By the way, you ever get the chance to go to one? Go. It's fine. Okay. Um, but my my job were, was the only alcohol vendor there. And I actually bumped into somebody and I said, now you're probably going to think I'm a freak. And he's like, why? You're at Pride. Have fun. Yeah. And that made me feel so... There, there was a part of my inner child that actually finally felt fully accepted. You know, and it was just like, holy shit, I have a job where I'm actually accepted. You know, and during that whole Bud Light thing uh, and everybody up in arms and that, and uh, one of my, one of the people I work for asked me, and I told him, I said, first and foremost, before you are trans, before you're gay, before your, you know, ethnicity ever comes into play, first and foremost, you're an American. And with that comes certain inalienable rights. Regardless, yeah. everything else is second. And if more people would think like that, gay rights, you know, LGBTQ plus rights wouldn't be an issue. You know, yeah. getting justice yeah. for sexual abuse survivors definitely wouldn't be an issue. You know, because that's one of the most under talked about things. Like, um, like my brother was on 
the sex offender, bringing it back to the topic, my brother was on the sex offender registry for a long time. He did a little bit of time in prison, but yet, you know, what, what I'm wanting to rot in prison now, you know, that I'm older, no. But when I was 13, I wanted him under the damn thing. Yeah. Like, and, and that's what people don't realize is like, still to this day, if people come up behind me unannounced and startle me, I literally turn to swing. And I have to stop myself. I literally have to basically do a, a, a force stop of the survival part of my brain that says they're going to attack you. And that's, I, and, and that's been something that has gone on for, you know, forever since that started. And, and that's what people don't talk about is the fact that, you know, yes, the, you know, monsters need to be dealt with, but how do we help the survivors get over having to feel like they're always in a fight response when somebody, you know, comes up behind them or or, or says something to them and it just catches them off guard and they turn to swing or, you know, somebody just walks by them and they flinch. Like, yeah. You know, I, I dealt with all of that. When I, while I was being abused. And I still deal with that to this day. Some of it's military. Some of it is being an SA survivor. Like nobody. And this is where maybe we could do another one. Is I want to talk about. And maybe get a, a co-host or something. That deals more with survivors. You know. How do you get past that feeling. Of when somebody comes up behind you. Or startles you. Or even sometimes walks by you. Just right to where you're not in a fight response. Yeah. You know, and, and that's the hard part is I tell people my flight response is broken, you know, from, from the past traumas and stuff. I have a fight response. There is no running away. There is turn and kill. <laughs> like, yeah. And I mean, and, and this is why these stories are important. This is why these interviews are important. So people can learn about somebody and, and learn what it's like, what they go through and everything like that. Because for, for a lot of people that I've met, a lot of people I've talked to, a lot of people I know personally, you know, they, they, it, it's a prison for them, you know, um, their trauma, mm -hmm. it creates this prison in their mind. And, you know, when you, you know, the act of rape is not, it, it goes beyond just being a sexual act. It, it is an act of taking somebody's, uh, power you know it's, it's 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 a domination thing it's like it's, it's having power over somebody and it's like taking their innocence and their purity and their and their and their freedom away from them is what it, what it mm -hmm. does to somebody and it puts them in this mental prison and, and it's just like a hell for them i know survive i know survivors now who are still trying to heal and some that are still trying to get justice right now and it's just they break down. They, they can't help, but sometimes just cry on emotion, you know, uncontrollably sometimes because it just, it's too much for them on certain days. And I mean, this can happen for decades later on, you know, after the abuse. Oh yeah. And I, I it's, that. and it, it, that this is what made me want to go down this path because I had an ex-girlfriend of mine tell me, you know, the reason why I started doing like uh, survivor interviews was uh, she was part of a, um, of a rape group online and, you know, like, like a rape survivor group online. And she told me, she said, Jeremy, you know, the biggest thing that a lot of, a lot of rape survivors feel is that 
people who've never went through it, right, or quote-unquote normal people um, that don't know what this is like. They just don't give a shit about us. And that's what a lot of survivors feel. And that really broke my heart, you know, because I care, you know, like I do care about people that go through these things because it, that, that shit's fucking wrong. And I know yeah. that I've talking to so many other people that have never gone through it themselves. And I always ask them, I was like, well, why don't you ever, you know, stand up and, and make a, make some kind of stand or make some kind of fight for people and let people know that you care about them and everything like that. Right. And one, one person told me oh, something profound. Well, no, no, no. Somebody told me something very profound, which made me have more understanding for why people don't get into this fight. Um, one person told me, it's like, you know, I don't want to step on their voices because a lot of people feel like if people who have never gone through this, that all they're doing is taking away from other people who are trying to fight and trying to, trying to put their stories out there. And I said, you know, that's, that's one way to think about it, but how about this? If we all come together and start telling these stories and putting them out there in the world, you know, it's, it's saturating the world with these stories and saturation is key, you know, putting out, putting it out there because, it took more than just one survivor story to get me on this path. It took a lot of different survivor stories and listening to a lot of different heinous cases that made me want to go in this path. And it wasn't until that one story, that one news article, that one bad day, you know, where it was like, it just breaks you, you know, because it's, it's, it's chipping away at somebody, you know, so they can hear these stories because they're really awful. They're really horrible. And a lot of the ones I cover solo are really bad and it makes people cry. And it and it's and I'm glad you know like I'm not glad it does but I mean at the same time it needs to and it needs to it needs to get people angry and upset and to be able to stand up and say hey look you know this shit's fucking wrong we need you know we as a society need to change these things and so it's going to take not it's going to take more than just survivors it's going to take other people who haven't gone through it to realize hey these people need help they need love they need support they need encouragement they need some sense of community and family and other people to stand up and fight for them as well and so that's where i'm at in life with it you know and that's why you see me you know doing what i'm doing on tiktok and why i make my you know, why i make all those inspirational um now it's been like going on a month just making a, a motivational video every day and i've i remember seeing you interact with them you know you interact with them a lot uh, and everything like that and I just remember seeing some comments and they really broke my heart because I could just tell that you were in a, in a very broken, vulnerable place and just wanting to heal, yeah. you know? And, and I still am. And that's, that's the hard part is, you know, I, I've been down the road of, you know, why me, why me, you know, I, and there's still times where with, with like friends on TikTok and stuff or, you know, my wife and stuff where I'm like, I'm not worthy of this. You know, be, because that's that's the way that trauma still sometimes makes me feel is the fact that, you know, I, I'm unworthy because, you know, me trying to be myself got me hurt. So why would anybody love me for me? Like that, that's what yeah. that does. And so many people will refuse to accept the fact that the the victims and the survivors like myself you know decade this has been going on 22 years i still struggle with that feeling and yeah. sometimes need a you know constant reassurance that you know people that i've become friends with or whatever or gotten really close to 
know, aren't just going to disappear when it gets dark and difficult. Because yeah. I've had many people say, you know, oh, I'm there for you. And then, you know, it gets real. Because I, I, I've told, you know, some you know, uh, about, hey, stuff gets dark in my head. Oh, I got you. And then when it, when the ugly beast rears its head, you know, and that's gone on for a long time. My recent relationship and some of my friends on TikTok, where it's been like, you know, we're not giving up. We got you. You know, and it, it, it's it's comforting, but it's also because I had a group of friends see that online or in real life be like, no, we got you. We're not going anywhere. So to have that, it, it's still very new. And so a lot of times, like, you know, when I see your videos and stuff, it's like, okay, like, I feel that. Or, you know, other times when I'm like, yeah, I've been down that road. And I'm kind of yeah. there right now. Like, <laughs> you know, it it's having that constant, you know, and, and I know for some people it's annoying having to constantly reassure somebody. But when you've been broken like I have between being tossed aside by the military, tossed aside by the community that, you know, you a, a performing portion of the gay community that you were a part of for, you know, 13 years, you know, your a, a sibling, you know, was your first tormentor. Like, just years and years and years of people breaking you or destroying you or whatever. It's like, how, how do I rebuild? Like, and, and that's the thing is finally, with, without the drag court and all this stuff, like, I don't know, just something one day I was just like, you know what? I'm done trying to be what society wants me to be or wants me to pretend that I am. I'm somebody who's effeminate, who likes girl clothes, likes getting their nails done, likes long hair and makeup. Screw all of you. And I started doing it for me. For a long time, I, I was doing it for the wrong reasons, but I started doing it for me, and there was a difference. And it's still this spot of needing reassurance that people aren't going to disappear when the monsters rear their head. You know, and, and to some people, it annoys them. Others, they're like, nope, I got it. I'm here. You know, and it's rare to find those people that want to stick around even when, you know, you tell them, hey, shit gets dark. Oh, whatever. And then it rears their head. And like, oh, okay. How do I readjust? You know? Yeah. I do. Yeah. And, I do know. And, you know, having having people like you, you know, doing those videos or guys like Tiger Bomb, Uncle Dragner, uh, even a few others that I follow on, on my account, you know, having those reassurances through through their videos of, hey, it's okay to be you. Just yeah. Do it. Like, actually, really I think I'm, I'm, I think I'm mutuals with uh, Uncle Dragner as well. Yeah. And, and so, like, you know, having like uh, Bob on there, he he's a really good guy or uh jack carnage 
Yeah, so, I know Jack. Me and Jack are uh, me, me and Jack are mutuals. Yeah. Yeah, it, it it's really helped me kind of come to a place where I could finally do it for myself. It, and it's been hard because I have. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, for the people, I mean, when when people do all that shit, I just block and go. And just you know, that, that, that's it's the best best thing you could do for your mental state and everything like that. It's just when you got people that just want to hate on you and shit on you and everything like that, block and go. Because you know you can you can you you can find your community of people and everything, and you don't have to you don't have to put your time and energy. Like somebody gave me good advice early on when I first started, because they started seeing me do all these clapback videos and everything like that, and, and she pulled me aside and said, "Jeremy, you know the worst." waste of your time and energy for for what you do and for your own mental state is is to go and respond to these assholes that won't listen to you in the first place so just don't do it just block and go and just be there for the people that want to hear what you have to say and that want to be there for your life you know it's it's you know don't go blocking everybody because they they have they you know they had something that they have a difference of opinion or something like that but the ones who are just being outright just mean-spirited and everything like that just block them and go they can grow they, they can grow they just they can just grow without you and i think that's the best advice i ever took to and everything on that platform well, for the most for the most part i won't respond i'll just leave it there and if somebody wants to respond that's fine but there are ones that i will straight up get vicious with and it's because a, a part of me is that part of me that's still angry because of not feeling accepted until later in life or, you know, being hurt when I was younger sometimes takes over. And it's just like, you're not getting away with this. Not today. And it's usually something that's like utterly hateful or malicious like the one I did about that guy trying to blame uh, SA victims and stuff oh yeah the great guy the great guy yeah that guy Uh, I went after him and I said you know how do you tell an eight-year-old yeah like Uh, how do you well so for everybody so for everybody that's listening right there was a there was a, a video on TikTok about a couple weeks ago this guy gets on there and he says, for all you ladies that get graped, which in TikTok terms is wordplay for rape. Uh, and he put a grape or he put like a cherry tomato or something like that. It's supposed to be a grape or some shit. He put it out there. Uh, you know, y'all deserve it and everything because you reject nice guys like me is what the video was about. And obviously, you know, sparked off a lot of controversy. It went viral um, because of the fact is, you know, this guy was pretty much saying that women that get raped deserved it. And you know, that's a big fucking no, no for in a lot of different communities. And they went after him ruthlessly and relentlessly. And to the point to where he had to go into hiding for a while. And I think even a bunch of people, um, even contact found out who he was and found who his mother was and told his mother, like, this Mm -hmm. is what your son's doing. You know, how did, you know, like, did you raise your son to be this way? And, and, and And his mama made a video pretty much green lighting him on TikTok. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, from what I remember, his his mama said like, because I, I didn't see the video of his mother, but I did see like messages that his mom wrote back was like, we haven't talked to him in I think like years or something like that, and he don't ever come around here or anything like that, and he always ends up doing something stupid like that all the time, and I think he's been, I don't think he's been living out of his car or some shit, but I know he's been kind of, I think he's being investigated too, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know. Um, I don't know, okay. but it, it it caused it caused a big fucking uproar. So for anybody that that's curious about that, uh, you know, you can go look up the grape guy on TikTok and everything, and and do a few little different creative word searches, and you might be able to find what people are talking about. I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah. And it's just you know, and it's when I see some the comments I responded to after I did some of my more intimate videos yeah. by people. It's like, what? What's your problem? You know, it's like I'm sorry, but this is a healing process for me. You don't like it, go away. You know, and it's yeah. like when you actually start feeling yourself, and this has been my hardest part is when I start feeling myself try to heal or try to be myself. I get crap, whether online or in person or whatever, and it makes me shut everything down and go back to being something that I really don't care to be. Yeah. You know, and it, it's been a constant back and forth. And finally, 22, 22 years later, I finally just said, you know what? In the words of Emmett Honeycutt from Queer Spoke, fuck them all. <laughs> I've never watched Queer Spoke, so. But, but it's just one of those things where I finally just had to say, and that's enough. Yeah. So, what's your uh, what's your plans for the future? What do you what do you, where do you see yourself in your healing journey, and where do you see yourself continuing on in life and and everything like that? Well, the big thing as far as healing, because this is still relatively new in a lot of ways, it, it's just trying to finally be okay to where I don't necessarily need reinsurance as much. Like that's yeah. kind of the goal right now. Because you know, I ended the up and leave and things things get dark. But and a big part of it is just, you know, continuing to be myself and form, whether that's, you know, going out to like the drag shows and stuff and, you know, or just you know, dressing how I want to dress and, you know, the rest of society be damned. You know, it, you know, it's things like that that I'm trying to get to. And I'll get there one day. Yeah. Well, all you know, I can tell you, go ahead, I'm sorry. And it's just, you know, trying to find the avenues to do it safely without you know, because, you know, people like destroying things that they don't understand, you know, trying to find a way to do it without. Into play. Whether it's myself or somebody else. Yeah. yeah. Well, all I can say is, uh, 
all I can say is to just keep healing on and to keep moving in a positive direction, you know, and all, and always try to be a, a shining light into somebody's darkness. Cause that's worked for me so far. Maybe it'll work for you. I don't know, you know, just I always tell people just to, if you see somebody struggling, try to help pick up those pieces with them as well. You know, people will fight on a lot more when they see that, that there's somebody there fighting with them, you know. When you're alone and everything like that, it feels hopeless. But when you have your when you have people around you that love and care about you and everything like that, you know, that, like I like I heard this one time, you know, we're born, you know, in life, we have two families. The first one is the one we're born into. And the second one is the one we choose. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and choose the ones that your family is more blood than the blood family. That is true. That is very, very, very true. And I will, I can definitely uh, 100% guarantee that because I know from my own experiences, I know there have been people that have just been the best and just most uplifting for me in my darkest times too. And there's people that just worry and care about me, call me and check up on me. And I appreciate it. Uh, you know, because there's times where it just gets bad for me, you know, like there's, there's just, there's dark days from even my own self. And so I'm glad, I'm glad that there's good people that care and love about me, even in those dark days. So, well, we've been at it for about two hours. Think you've gotten out about everything you wanted to get out. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's how it usually rolls. Anyway. Anything you, any final words, any final thoughts, anything you want to tell the, tell the world, any kind of positive messages you want to give out there? Big thing for parents out there, especially to those that you might think are part of the gay community, listen to them, support them. And especially if you think your child is going through some sort of abuse, make it known that it is safe for them to come to you no matter who it is because if not you know you might be writing your child's obituary and that's not something you want to do yeah now that that's my biggest advice to anybody especially parents is listen to your kids you know, if they want to change their pronouns or how they look or whatever a thousand times, let them. It's much better to deal with that than writing a child's obituary. That's good advice. That's good advice. I think I'll add on to that by telling anybody, if you know any survivors in your life, you know any survivors of rape, pedophilia, domestic violence, uh, even the troubled teen industry, Love them. Listen to them. Embrace them. That's the best thing I could tell anybody. Well, I think we're going to end this off and everything like that. I appreciate you coming on here. No appreciate problem, you telling me your story. And uh, I did learn a lot today, though. I will say that. I did learn more history than I thought <laughs> I was going to learn today. <laughs> That's for damn sure. What was not uh, expecting to go down that tangent, but... We talked about my tattoo, and that led to a whole. Oh yeah, 
hey, that's fine. You know, look, it's it, it's good to have it, have different perspectives and what people what what people believe in and everything like that. You know, I'm 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 always there to let people, you know, express what they what they feel and what they believe in and everything too. And uh, you know, because there's all different types of people that have come on this podcast. You know, I I will say though, you're the first uh, gay military vet to be on on the podcast. So you're the first one. Um, well, maybe more will actually speak up because I'm sure I can't be the only one. No, um, and I know I know a few other gay military vets on uh, on on TikTok as well as I've actually had other military vets on here as well. So uh, you're just the first gay one. That's all. Who's also been who's also <laughs> been a, been a, been a drag performer as well. So uh, yeah, there's always a first for somebody here on on the podcast. So nice. oh yeah. But, uh, you know, the, the more, uh, the more people that come on here, the more they share their stories, the more people get to listen, they get to learn something new and they just get to add on to their perspective and their learning and everything. That's why I wanted this to be, you know, to, to learn from different types of people. And, you know, it doesn't matter who you are. We can all sit down and talk, have a conversation and just, and just be there for each other. And, you know, one thing that I've, I've always found with this, doing these interviews with survivors is that for most of them, it does help them on their healing journey, get their story out there. So I'm always glad to try to help a survivor out and to give them some type of peace and healing in this world. Cause I know it's so sorely needed and sorely just desperately wanted. So if I can do it, I'll help, you know? Oh yeah. That's about it. But look, I love you. You be safe. You take care of yourself. You too. Bro. And, uh, just remember the Bowman C and the Bowman never forget. Yep. That's right. Much love. We must carry <laughs> on. Like Bob Marley says, much love. We must carry on, baby. Well, oh, yeah. you have a good one. All right. Thank, Thank you. you. Again. Thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. All right. Bye. Hey everybody. So what'd y'all think about that? Let me know. Find me on Facebook. Find me on TikTok. Even Instagram, Man Apart Podcast. Uh, Instagram's a little weird. I think you got to do like the under space scores or whatever. I don't know. How you, but I know on TikTok, I'm pretty easy to find. Facebook, you just got to type in a Man Apart Podcast Facebook group and there it is. You know, not too hard. You can see my face that can scare roaches away. <laughs> but yeah, uh, like, uh, you know, a little self deprecating humor, right? Anyway, uh, best thing you can do if you want to help out the podcast at all is to go and hit that share button and go share it to your social medias go share it with friends let people know what it's like for survivors to go through um i have a podcast my podcast has a little bit of everything for everybody and it's continuing to grow even more as i'm reaching out to more people and different backgrounds and ways of life so different people are reaching out to me wanting to share their experiences and their stories so there's always a little bit of something for somebody. And if you're on TikTok a lot and you're in the trauma world or the survivor world or pedophile hunt world, you might even know a couple of these people. So, like I said, just the best way to help me is to share it. And if you want to, if you want to, you don't have to. It's not required. But if you want to support the podcast financially as well, there's a little option at the end of all these descriptions on all these episodes where you can monetarily support it. You know, a dollar, five dollars, ten dollars a month. I think those are the three options. Um, 
I would really appreciate it. It would really help. It'd pay for, you know, it'd pay for uh, marketing. It would pay for, you know, running ads and everything like that. I don't make, um, I don't, this ain't, this ain't my career, right? This is something I do outside of my normal career as well. And so if you want to help, that's what it'll go towards. That what, that's what it'll help. And of course, I'd like to be able to help, you know, Sabrina out as well because not because she needs it or anything, but because she did put in work into this podcast and I'd like for her to be able to have something that comes out of it besides just, you know, feeling good and doing something good. I'd like to be able to financially help her out as well. Um, like I said, not that she needs it, but at the same time, I do want to help out my sister because I love her and I care about her. More good news coming up. So, if you listen to this point so far, which not a lot of you do, because I look at the analytics, so you guys get to hear the really cool new stuff. Uh, Amber, from my previous interview, right? Amber Domey. She is going to be on a couple of podcast episodes with me, and she's also starting her own podcast up. Oh, boy. And she said the reason why she's starting a podcast up is because I inspired her to. So... That's that pay-it-forward ripple effect, just working. It's magic, right? I love it. I'm, I actually cried. I actually, actually, She actually wrote such a heartfelt Facebook post about it, and it made me tear the fuck up. It really did. And then I responded back to her, and then she wrote it even more fucking... So I cried even harder. Yeah, you know, I do fucking cry, like old Faldu said, and the tears ain't nothing but just a pressure release, uh, pressure release valve of the body, so... But yeah, um, it was really nice. It was sweet of her to what she wrote, and she's been a she's been a really awesome, uh, becoming a really awesome friend to me, and supporting the podcast. You know, doing everything she can as well. And I, you know, when so so for a lot of you that don't know, Sabrina did have to take a step back. She you know she had to focus on helping with her family and everything like that, and also being just stretched too thin. And the podcast was just one of those things that was just pulling her in the direction that was stretching her too thin. And I get it, and I understood that, and I think a lot of us would. So she's like, look, i got to take a step back for a while. I missed the fuck out of her. I ain't going to lie to y'all. I miss my sister on here. You know, I do miss miss talking to her about certain cases all the time and everything like that, but I also get and understand this ain't something we do full time. This ain't our main job. This is what, you know, you got to take care of your family first. That being said, that door closed temporarily, obviously, because she's always welcome back. Uh, And then Amber opened up another door. And I was just like, hmm. It's just, it's funny how life works that way. You know, some people can call that divine providence. Some people call that the fates. Some people call that spiritual energies working. I don't know what you call it. I just know to call it that. One door closed, the other opened. So, she's going to be on some episodes with me. We're going to be covering some subjects. Oh boy, stay tuned for that. It's going to be some shit too. And I'm just excited to see what her podcast is going to be about, how she's going to do it. I think she's, she's, so she's going to be doing video format as well, if I'm not mistaken, which I'm fucking happy for. I think she's got what it takes to be a great podcaster. Fuck, I think she's got what it takes to be a better podcaster than me. Yeah, that's right. I said it. I'm I am not look, I am not the proud, bold, egotistical asshole I used to be when I was in my late teens, early twenties. I realize I am not 
all that in a bag of chips most of the time. I'm just me. And that's fine. Look, I appreciate all the praise. I appreciate all the the, the compliments y'all give me. Because they, they are heartfelt and I love them. Right? I do love them. I'm not going to say I don't. I, I appreciate every single... It makes me cry most of the time. Because I never thought I'd get to this point in life where people would believe in me like y'all have. Y'all shown me that people care. Y'all show me that people do love people and that they that they can love strangers as well. And so y'all put a lot of faith and belief in me and I and I hopefully I've hopefully that paid off for y'all. Some of y'all y'all have let me know personally, either on TikTok or Facebook. And I appreciate every single one of you. I really fucking do. I love y'all. But yeah. Sorry I ramble too much. <laughs> um yeah, Amber's gonna be doing some episodes with us. Podcast is growing. I got a really good interview coming up too that I got to get scheduling with. But who oh boy, I can't say nothing yet until I confirm that shit. But just know, I wrote down this interview that I wanted as one of my ultimate interviews to do. Now I can't tell you anything. I'm not can't even give you a hint yet. I gotta just keep my mouth fucking shut on this one. Got to. But I promise y'all. This is an interview that I've been wanting to do for a long fucking time. And I'm going to show up to either this person's house with a fucking cell phone and say, let's interview or we're going to just do it over the app. And I don't know which way, which way it's going to go. But I'm, uh, I was excited. I was tickled pink. I can't say just yet. Some of y'all know, some of y'all don't. So, but be on the lookout for that one. Oh, that one's going to be the big one, baby. I mean, they've all been big ones, but yeah, this is one that I, the first person I had in mind doing a Survivor interview for. So, next up, next week, I interviewed a woman, a mother, who killed her daughter's child molester. Yeah. That's going to be an awesome story to cover as well. Um... Which is weird. I never thought I'd ever get another woman who killed a pedophile on my podcast. I always thought it was just going to be Samantha Haynes. Maybe another person here and there, but never so quickly. Not Especially not even the same fucking year, y'all. Like, you got to think. Over the summer, I, I did eight episodes with Samantha Haynes, right? Eight hours of recordings with her. And you mean to fucking tell me that there is, is like, here's the thing. Samantha went to prison. This woman didn't. Oh, female Gary Ploche, huh? Yeah, well, y'all got to stay tuned and hear that one as well. And I hope y'all sharing these episodes out there because I ain't seen y'all sharing them on. I see a couple of y'all sharing them on there, all right? I, I Look, I, I'll be fair. I see a couple of my, my, my homies sharing sharing the, uh, on Facebook and everything. Of course, I'm going to give you a like. Of course, I'm going I'm to thank you and everything like that. I appreciate everyone that shares all these episodes out there y'all are wonderful human beings and i appreciate you spreading the word out there because it does help this podcast grow all right i've seen it work like that so i love y'all y'all be safe y'all take care and one more thing no i'm just kidding (laughs) but remember the bowmen see and the bowmen never forget much love we must carry on